An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. our society from hundreds of years. It's people's escape, it's people's relaxation and we need to do everything in order to continue that great uh, tradition of right believing. It has been those Australians who worked hard every day. They have their dreams, they have their aspirations. I'm not so quiet today. I'm actually feeling sort of, um, I think I've acclimatised myself to this situation. And I also want to add after hearing that intro, it was new to me, that do we need to keep saying that rugby league is an essential service? I don't think so. Do we need to educate people on education day, no less? Chris, Dennis? Well, I I have to say, it is education day for the NRL, Stephen. And I think one of the central tenets is definitely that rugby league is an essential service. Yeah. I, know. I think also with, with education, um, Peter Volandis makes the point that it's rugby league, not rugby league. And I noticed this on, a, on the HG and Roy on the weekend. They pointed out, you look at his surname and the way it's pronounced, it's Volandis, not Volandis. Right. So that why, he's accustomed to why's being, <laughs> so rugby league, because right, you don't call him Peter Volandis with that why. So that's where it comes from. That's why it's rugby league. And I think it should now, from now on, should always be referred to as rugby league. But Dennis, could I ask you, what, what are his bona fides? We talked about the Wollongong boy that made good in accounting, but what's his rugby league bona fides, his credentials? I mean, uh, suddenly he was racing, king of racing, king of the opera house, and then he waltzes into our code as if he knows everything. What does he know? What's, what team does he follow? What's, what's what his What does bloke? he know? He knows everything. That's what he knows. You judge the man by his works, not by his history. And look what he's done. He's got rugby league on the map, back on, yeah. and he's educating players. He's getting <laughs> educated. And what, <laughs> how good is rugby league and education on rugby league education day? Oh, fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> It'll be the first thing the players are taught, I think, as you pointed out, Dennis, is how to pronounce my name correctly. Mm-hmm. But Stephen, his point of fight is, is he said he was the little kid, you know, mm-hmm. back in a different area down in Wollongong. He was referred to as a wog. Yes. And he said... I was ostracised. I was isolated, almost, yeah. you know, prescient wow. vis-a-vis yeah. COVID-19. He's got history. The way that I got myself integrated into Australian society as this little yeah. migrant kid was yeah. playing rugby league. Right. So now, no wonder this- he sees rugby league as the way to get society going again in this modern pandemic-ridden era. Right. Essential. Well, this goes to the point, uh, Chris and Dennis, that uh, rugby league is, is not only the, the ugly cousin or the beaten-down stepsister that gets turfed out of the ball, rugby league represents that underbelly of Australia. It goes way beyond the glorious convict past, I'm sure. It's the thing that we... It's like the stain that we want to get rid of. We know that. We know that. And rugby league doesn't care to be loved anymore. Uh, Volandis has proven that one. Uh, he knows it from Victorians attacking him about the Everest. And now I'm a believer in, in Volandis. I know Russell Crowe, Chris, uh, you were telling me he's a, a believer as well. Did you hear what Russell said? about the overlord Volandis. It's really uh, quite moving, Stephen, if I can uh, read it for you. Uh, you'll just have to uh, hold, just you know, fire a little bit while I find the text here. He goes, 
Oddly, Mr. Volandis, and of course that's an error because we all know him as Overlord Volandis. Yes. He goes, Oddly, Mr. Volandis and I did spend some time today getting to know each other and talking about player mental health amongst other pressing topics. He was balanced, thoughtful, and clear-headed. Rugby league has a steady hand on the wheel through these times. Every single rugby league identity is lining up to pre-praise on Overlord Volandis, which begs the question, he must know where the bodies are buried. He must. And, 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 and that kitty, that, that Russell Crowe kitty, he'll go far. Well, uh-huh. I saw Stephen Bradbury interviewed during the week. I think you're of all heroes, yeah. And, when, and who were the, he was, they, they said, who do you want to play you? And he said, oh, they're talking about Russell Crowe about playing, I don't know who, like, <laughs> my father. <laughs> yeah, it was his dad. Yep. Uh-huh. Russell Crowe goes, I'm an Oscar winner and I'm now playing Stephen Bradbury's father. What's happened to my career? <laughs> Talk about character. Uh, yeah, it's a long way from Mutiny on the Bounty or wherever he was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, um, Dennis, education day. Now, we know that rugby league players get their information and thus their education uh, from all different sources. And uh, if I could put it to you that uh, some of them are probably great consumers of very large documents and there is a very large document that has now been placed in front of them to get this code off the ground in a roundabout or four and a bit weeks' time Chris, it is called? It is called the Project Apollo Player Protocol, Stephen, or Ooh. PAP for short. Sure. PAP for short, sure. okay. Yeah. I think it forever will be known as PAP. How many, how many pages? 47. 47 pages? It's a lot of pages. It's been yes. rolled out to all the players right now as we record this podcast. Right. And it's authored by the NRL's biosecurity expert, Associate Professor... David Phelps, uh, sorry, David Helps. Let me try that one more time. David Hessler. Third time lucky. Education works. I know. And Associate Professor David Heslop is well known as a biological weapons expert. And so, a weapons expert, Chris. The NRL is really saying, you want biosecurity experts? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, top, top that man in Asia or, or that bloke down in uh, Daniel down in Victoria. <laughs> hey, did you, did you see that, um, that? I don't know who he was, some bloke from Victoria who said that apparently the AFL have always looked down on the NRL, always. Yes. It's a given. Yeah, there was, a, there was an interview between a couple of Channel 9 yeah. talking heads about that. Yes. And I, Stephen, you were so moved about that, you actually tweeted about that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did, because they often refer to it as the Paris of the South. <laughs> or was it the Prague of the South? I'm confused. Did you know, Chris, they've got laneways there? Yes, Dennis, do. did you know they've got, they've got, they invented coffee? Did you know that? Sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> Melbourne, sorry, it has, it has that effect. Oh, yeah. boy. Hey, I was, don't, you know, don't start me on, don't start me on Melbourne. There's, what are they called again? The, the, the South Melbourne Bloods or something. Don't start me on that grand history. <laughs> I think, I think Melbourne is known as the Bratislava of the South, actually. And look, we've talked, Dennis, a lot about the fact that they've got ACDC laying down in Melbourne. Of course, ACDC got nothing to do with Melbourne. They've never played in Melbourne. But no, just, I actually went back and listened to Ball Breaker on the weekend when Rick Rubin came in. You know how Rick Rubin came in and saved so many careers? Neil Diamond, yeah. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, yeah. yeah. And not so much for ACDC, but the album's not as bad as I thought. Um, they're not <laughs> lyrically... Do with the only thing... The only connection they have with Melbourne is that they recorded that um, long way to the top. 
on the back of a truck going through Melbourne. The video clip. They were in Melbourne. Let's and do that's a video because clip. Melbourne hated Because if they did it in Sydney, they would have been mobbed because people in Sydney know them and love them because they're from Sydney. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they go to Perth and Bon Scott, there's a statue of Bon Scott in Perth, entirely appropriate because that's where he settled and came out here. But, Look, if the, can I educate the NRL in one thing? If they just went and turned around, found some money, I know it's tough in this day and age, but take a little bit off the 60 minutes budget, take a bit of that, buy the home. In Burwood, where the young family oh, group, we're talking about yeah. an easy beaten two and uh, two ACDC members, not to mention Flash and the Pam, and turn the whole thing into a museum. It would be the hottest spot on the planet. <laughs> hey, right it's a doctor's right surgery right now. Hotter than hey? New York. Hotter than New York. <laughs> Everyone wants to get out of New York. They want to come here to see the ACDC house in Burwood. <laughs> Can you imagine if if Trump, who's not had such a great week, really, you know, the nah. the shine a light, inject the disinfectant. Thing didn't really play well for him. So he's looking for votes. If he was able to say, if we can just batten down the hatches for another month, yeah. we'll be able to ship you en masse yeah. to go and visit the home of ACDC. Come yeah, on yeah. now. Yeah, come on now. What an incentive for the local population. Angus will be there on the opening month shaking every hand as they walk through. And we won't force you to go to Melbourne either. You don't have to go to Melbourne. You can just go straight to Sydney where it all happened and then go straight back to the US. Exactly. Ballbreaker is not such a bad album, by the way. And uh, it, what, what I love about ACDC is how subtle they are. The opening track, Hard as a Rock. You know, uh, <laughs> is that a metaphor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way that Overlord Volandis runs the game. Hard as a Rock. <laughs> hard as a rock. Chris, Dennis, uh, this PAP document, 47 pages, what I want to know, and Rugby League players have been screaming out about, is that can it be opened on TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> or on Instagram? Well, <laughs> I can you imagine right now the players who have meant to sort of, I think it's the first time they've come together and they're all one and a half to two metres apart right now. Yeah. Now, how are they delivering this? Now, if it's Ricky Stewart, Dennis, you know what he'd be delivering it on, right? Oh, yeah. There'd be the over, he'd have, he's still got that overhead projector and he'd have slides <laughs> and he'd have, he'd have a texter to write the texters on there. But they've got to sit in the oval down. and look at it like at the driving <laughs> cinema. The question I've got is that there was, there was one allegation that they were going to have to train with only 10 people at a time. They can only have 10 people right. at training, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is total. So if you've got you know, the coach and, and a trainer, there's only eight players. So you can only have groups of 10. So what groups are they in today? Are they already breaking that before, to learn it? Are they breaking it straight up? Are they in separate classrooms? Are they in separate yeah. bubbles? Are they, where are they? How are they doing it? I want to see the pictures. Well, your coach, Stephen, Mary McGregor, had something to say about this. He says, this Did is he? a great challenge. Yes. And in... Yeah. And in Tremendous insight. The rugby league being told that basically they've got to split their team training into groups, essentially of three, because the squad's about thirty players. They're going to train their left side, their mm -hmm. right side, and their middle in separate groups. I mean, that is just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the reading of the forty-seven page PAP document for uh, Miriam McGregor. How they got right across that. Well, they all, yeah, they all go to university. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, they all go to university. Yes. Mary McGregor, you're saying that Mary McGregor, he's saying it's going to be a challenge. You obviously know that Mary McGregor, one of the things he's best at is surviving challenges because he's been, how long has he been there? Six years? Yeah, diversion. <laughs> Diversionary <laughs> tactics, Dennis. Six <laughs> Don't years look at me. Yeah. But, but isn't that what, isn't what that what? That six years? <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, he's, he's got a career. Look at Dutton. Dutton can come out with sort of having a go at some, some minor minister in, in, in Victoria whilst he's got about eight charges like, you know, hovering around his head. They do look similar. That one's going to be more of a fan. But, you know, for, for, it didn't work for Todd Greenberg, unfortunately, and I still want to send my very best wishes to Mr Greenberg and his extended oh. family. But for any rugby league coach who was under pressure coming into this season, 
i.e. Mary McGregor, Stephen Carney, those sorts of people. They go into the end of season review after another uh, season of despondency, assuming resumption day actually happens, and they'll just go, COVID-19, guys, and what, they can't sack you, can they? Well, no, you wouldn't have thought so. There's a certain amount of uh, sympathy that has, uh, is beautiful, you know, caring, sharing, we're all this together has come into play. And, of course, Mary's sort of done a run on those coattails for quite a while, I'd imagine. But now that it's a race from the bottom for the Roosters and the Dragons, that'll be a very interesting battle, Chris, and see which coach goes first. <laughs> <laughs> should, I, should I sort of highlight what's in this document? The, what, this is, Please. Players have been do, you have do you have it? Do you have dot points? Oh, yeah. What do you got? Yeah, so the points are no golf. Yep. No golf. No golf. No mm-hmm. surfing. Yep. Oh. No oh, yeah. No The sea's Full of COVID-19. The seas That's are right. full of it. No taxis or ride shares. No carpooling, which will be bad for uh, coaches Bennett and Robinson. No workouts in public parks. However, shopping and walking the dog is acceptable. Now, the whole shebang will be enforced by what has already been come to be known as the NRL COVID cops. Right? So the COVID cops are empowered. And I immediately think of Sheriff Grant and Chief O'Hara Greenberg, both out of mm. jobs right now. This is what they can do. Random door knocks yeah. at home to check where you should be and to say where they should be. Wow. Calls to check up on the players. Now, the players are expected to keep their mobiles on, fully yeah. charged, and yes. not on mute. Oh. Most of the time. I'm assuming they don't have to have them in the showers. Yes. This is the most interesting thing to me. How do you think this works? So they're going to call you and say, where are you? And you go, I'm at home where I should be, COVID cop. And then they're going to check out whether what you've said is declared or tr- is true. How do they verify this stuff? Well, I suspect they've got tracking on the mobile phones. They've probably also got lie detectors. And pro- yeah. what I'd love to know is if they've got the COVID, so we've got this new department, the COVID cop department. At the same time as the NRL are cutting costs and trying to get yeah. rid of office staff, they just brought in a whole new a force. Mm. The COVID cop force has come in. And who- yeah, regardless of whether they're... they're- whether they're human beings or androids or, or mutants or, or, or laboratory-created robots, they're going to cost money any which way. I think given, given what we know of um, Peter Volandis, I wouldn't mm. be surprised at all if the COVID cop force is Peter Volandis and he's going to be driving around Penrith with his phone yeah. <laughs> ringing up. So the saying, ubiquitous, the ubiquitous overlord. The overlord can see all. It's like, you know, we used to believe that, uh, of course, that, that you know, God could see it when you're committing a sin as a, as a Catholic boy, you know. and, and you. And yes, uh, and, yes, and, you're, and your after. grandparents can watch you get into, get into mischief as well. Mm. It's a terrible thought. Yep. Terrible thought. So yep. I'm sure the Overlord has got those uh, skills. Now, uh, this also begs the question, Chris, we don't know where they are. I know that we, we've talk, we'll talk about Tamworth. Uh, they're moving back down to the Central Coast. Is it fenced off? How, are they allowed out for shopping at any time of the day or the night? I mean, is there 24-hour shopping allowed? Uh, can they meet up with, uh, you know, friends in the neighbourhood? So the Tamworth thing is interesting, Stephen, because yesterday, uh, for one day, Tamworth became an international airport as the Warriors. It certainly did. And as I said, the question is, does this put Tamworth on the map or does it put the Warriors on the map? Well, I think a bit of both, Chris. And there's a definitely this cultural uh, acclimatisation, I suppose, this assimilation of, of, the, of the bros from, from Auckland coming to listen to the sheep from Scrubby Creek. You know, a little, a little bit of, uh, yeah, a little bit of, uh, I like to have a drink with, insert name of New Zealander, you know. So I think that, that sort of cross-pollination between trap, you know, bounce, you know, Miami beat, uh, R&B soul, reggae, uh, Bob Marley and Norseum mixed with a whole bunch of country and western is going to be a glorious, who knows what sort of fusion will come out of that. 
I think that you're right. Culturally, it'd be fantastic. I mean, I'm sure right now the Warriors, not only are they looking through the PAP document, they're being educated about Chad yes. Morgan, Smokey Dawson. Wasn't there a hit recently uh, where they, they emerged hip-hop and, and, and country and western? A big hit, number one. I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going there you go. We'll see more of that. can no more. more of that yeah, have that, for sure. And also... <laughs> See, right now, Tamworth should be having, because they had the Country Music Festival in January, they should be having the Hats Off to Country, which is the winter country music ah, festival, and that's gone. So right. instead, they've got the Warriors, but they've got the Warriors, as he said, they're locked away. They're in West yeah. Tammy Leagues, all locked away. There's one entry, one exit, no one can come and go. So just got people just hanging out going, oh, the Warriors are here. Two weeks in Tamworth, and then they go back, and then they'll be taken to that glorious venue when Nate Miles, that, that fateful night at the Crown Plaza, when Nate and uh, a bunch of players got up to no good and relive oh, some of the yeah. golden memories of Australian Rugby League, correct? Yep. That's on the tour. That's on the Atrocities <laughs> tour, that one. It's a yeah. famous part. It's a rich cultural experience for the Warriors. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is, is that they're only going for the 14-day quarantine. And Tamworth would be well advised to sort of say, come on. Set up permanently here, boys. You know, yeah. Scully yeah. Park, the whole, the whole. The NRL had the game. They had the game out there last week at, at uh, Scully Park. It's, it's a great facility. I don't know why they don't just stay there. It'd be great for the regions. Get the people Who was out there. Um, that would have been the Tigers against the was it the Storms that they lost to. I think it was. Oh, you're talking about last season. Yeah, last season. I thought you were saying the NRL just ran an experimental game last <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, no. No, Just a couple of the things, aspects of this that I think are important is that rugby league tries to be inclusive. You know, other sports are exclusive, but rugby league is inclusive. So the announcement that goes with the PAP document is that the players are not obligated to download the COVID-19 app and right. they're not obligated to have a flu shot. So they're catering for the civil libertarians and the anti-vaxxers. So no, it's so an no. anti-vaxxing trend in rugby league, I think. So no tracking devices then. So Dennis, that blows that one out the window. If they've got no tracking, you can say no. No, that just means that ScoMo can't track them. Volandis oh. will have, he'll, he'll have a tracker oh. himself. They'll be tracked. Don't worry. Because omniscient or omnipotent? Omniscient, or the lot. Omniscient, <laughs> omnipotent, omnipresent. <laughs> Ubiquitous. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, okay. <laughs> uh, righto, guys. Anything else you'd like to talk about right now? Well, I think... The thing that jumps out to me is that it, it feels like resumption day is tangible for the first time. We've got a draw, 20-game draw, a mm. grand final set We've for the... We've got a draw? We've got, well, a, a length of draw, I should say. Right, okay. A length and, of the season, and, yeah, yeah. And apparently, uh, I was having a uh, conversation with uh, West Tigers CEO Justin Pascoe, and he said, basically... Uh, is your, is, is this just your regular breakfast with him? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and New South Wales football will be confined to three grounds. So don't be surprised that the entire New South Wales football will be played at Bankwest Stadium, mm. Leichhardt Oval and Campbelltown Stadium. But Chris, I have to butt in here. Uh, many years ago, Fire Up took about never to get involved, never to, to entrench themselves at risk of compromise with the actual industry that is known as the NRL or Rugby League. Thanks, Stephen. How many, how many grand finals have you DJed at now? <laughs> <laughs> That's a separate individual. I don't know who that person is. <laughs> and, and so a lot of the things are in place, but the one thing that isn't quite settled yet is that the grand final set down for the 25th of October, that venue hasn't been announced. And Anastasia, Anastasia Padishay from Queensland, the Premier, has come up with an enticing deal. She's oh, got the Lord of You can have my Titans, you can have my Broncos, and you can have my Cowboys. To give me two origins and the grand final. Now, that's, uh, 
And rather than, and, and rather than Volanda's taking her up for that oh. mud wrestle to see who wins or jelly wrestle, she's got to get through Freddie Fittler first, doesn't she? That's, that's right. Who pointed out to Anastasia that if she didn't allow Queensland to be involved, there'd be a vote of backlash. And they just play the games without them. That's right. But, three, three nil, three zip. I suppose we should wrap on the ultimate arbiter about what sort of facility rugby yeah. league grand final should be played in, and that is Joey Johns, who had this to say. Okay. I, I had worries about playing the SEG because it's an oval, and it's not it's it's not desirable for rugby league. I think we need a rectangle field. I wish that fly would leave Milan. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Chris, tell that to Johnny Rayburn, Kevin Longbottom, and Eric Sims. You know, hello. <laughs> I mean, I might have been mistaken, but didn't I go and see the Roosters play there last year? And it is possible to actually map out a field on an oval, but it's Joey Johns, and maybe Palisade will get her grand final at some point. Was he having a go at Anastasia there? Is Anastasia the fly? Who was the fly? <laughs> Well, they're on Freddie's property, so it could be, you know, uh, an opposition spy fly. Yeah. Look, we always used to think that Andrew John's a bit of a space cowboy or cadet or whatever you want to call it, but he really is the gallbladder of rugby league. He feels it in his gut, doesn't he, in his waters. He understands things without having to think. And, and did I see a vote recently where he was the number two in some, some all-time <laughs> vote of great players? Did I see that? Yeah, he was voted number two, and I think, uh, I think Who was one? was number one. I think it was Thurston. Oh, was it? Not Wally. Yeah. Can I, can I, I say? It was... Go, Dennis. Oh, I suspect it was voted on by um, you know thirty-year-old uh, Telegraph readers. I don't think people have <laughs> ever seen. Who, who how, do we, how much do we love them? Yeah, there's rugby league that happened before um, yeah. two thousand. Right. Can I say <laughs> that at no point in this restricted environment in which we live have I been ever tempted to come up with a list. Like, editors and producers all around Australia should be ashamed of yourself. Your initial reaction was, oh, who are the 10 greatest or the... F-? Seriously, no lists. I'm Chris, not interested. I have I resisted. interested last week. I'm not interested this week. I have resisted every single challenge on Facebook. I think it's ridiculous. It's a waste of time and go and play with yourself somewhere else. Well, I agree with that. And let me give you the 10 reasons why I hate lists. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go to the break, Steve, but I just want to... But I want to give you a, a, a vote of support. Uh, there's been, and full credit to the artists who are out there yeah. doing online performances or whatever. I've got no issue with it, but don't expect me to listen to it. No. It doesn't sound any good. And, Sam, and, and, when, and when do they forget the rules of basic recording techniques? <laughs> well, I think we forgot them ages ago, so we should come back and see how we go after the break, eh? See you soon. Hey, uh, Dennis and Chris, uh, now that we know that uh, this PAP document, uh, the 47-page manual of protocols developed by the nuclear weapon expert for the rugby league, cop that, Queensland and Melbourne and everybody else, yes, even Mel had a word of that, a hand in that, I believe. Uh, now we know it's going to be open in TikTok. That brings us to social media and the beauty, the power, the might that is social media and rugby league. And what a great marriage it's been on Education Day. Chris, can I remind you about some of the wonderful instances that the whole country led by Peter Fitzsimons, that great warrior for <laughs> civil rights and freedom, uh, have jumped on board to give rugby league a good kicking. See, you can't trust them. You cannot trust them. Give them an inch, they take a whole football field. And uh, we are led to more apologies, wonderful apologies coming from rugby league itself. Um, I guess that's a PR stunt. Would you, would you take it that way, Dennis? The apologies? Yes. 
rugby league, I, I think we always talk about how rugby league at its essence is hate, that it's all about yes. hate. So yes. I think the outer skin is apology because yeah. it loves, you know, you can't have redemption yeah. without yeah. a, you have evil, you have hate, you have yeah. redemption, you have to have an apology. So a rugby league apology is just as important as rugby and, league hatred. And it's a, it's a hollow thing. Is it, or is it generally got shame in, written into it, shame and disappointment, or is it just a hollow statement? <laughs> It's got shame. It's got shame and disappointment. You've got hate. You've got shame. That's what it's all about. Got a soup. (laughs) You know, when when Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile, right, once that unbreakable barrier is broken, then it's just the floodgates open, right, because it's been proven that one can do it. So if you look through the rugby league apologies, they're measured, they're contrite, they're pitched well, and they're never overly emotional because so many rugby league players have had to do it. Yes. By way of contrast, a couple of cricketers stuff up. A la Cheers. Water, and it's the waterworks. And waterworks. Take their belt and shoelaces away, the whole, the whole fandangle. And our sport knows how to apologise, and it does yeah. raise what you were <laughs> telling me earlier, Stephen, that your view is that yeah. essentially these apologies, they're just theatre, because rugby league, it's just thumbing, it, thumbing its nose at everybody, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And also, once again, to get back to that, that we are rugby league is the virus of Australian culture. That's right. There is no vaccine. vaccine. We are the feral. We are the feral dog that gets kicked all the time, and thus we know how to wheel out a, a bit of theatre when it comes to an apology. So when it gets itself into hot water, a la the social distancing breaches. Yes. Uh, rugby league will on the surface appear contrite, but this is actually playing to their strengths, isn't it? Of course. It's sort of going, they look at this and say, we can push the boundaries so hard. Of course we'll start on May 28, which seems outrageous to mainstream society and anyone with any sort of social conscience, a la Peter Fitzsimons. But to rugby league, it makes perfect sense in order to prove how strong and resilient we are, we can do this, stuff the rest of society, and we'll kick off anyway. And how dare they question Latrell Mitchell's idea of concept of brotherhood and culture? I mean, how, how dare they? You know, there, there, is, there is a man who understands what brings men together. Uh, he, you know, fangy on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a tricycle or, or, or a trailer bike. I don't care what it is. On a beach. Hey? I, I think the significance is what's been lost here culturally is the significance of motorbiking on a beach. It's not just motorbike. Yes. It's motorbiking no. on a beach. And that's, that's just... An and with unregistered bikes as well. Like the bikes yeah. weren't registered. You know. and, and, and why should someone have to be licensed to operate a firearm? Yeah. I mean, look at, the, look at the brave people in the United States who are quite rightly protesting the conditions that one of my colleagues described us in at the moment as slavery. And I said, yeah. I might be going a little bit too far. <laughs> but how else do you protest unless everyday people, i.e. Josh had a car, are comfortable operating a firearm. Yeah, 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 he hasn't yeah. got time to go get registered. There's no yeah. one there right now. Because no, they're closed. Cars. So the Blues Brothers, you go, there's no one on the desk, right? But I tell you what, have you heard that they're re- re- re-editing that ad where they're taking away him standing in the ocean with the Indigenous flag with him on the motorbikes on the beach fanging along, hey? <laughs> and, Andrew Abdo, who's, you know, taken over from Mr Greenberg, <laughs> All our very best wishes to you and your extended family. family yeah. As the operating chief executive officer, he said he's had to deal with this social distancing brouhaha. And when pressed about why has the ad been taken off, he said, "Well, now of course we have to get an ad. We'll get people coming to the games." Yes. Only to remember that, in fact, in reinstituting football, there won't be anyone at the games. No, <laughs> so, funny that <laughs> he did. He did correct himself and say. 
did correct himself and say it's to get people to watch the games on TV because now that's what we're directing them. We're directing them to watch stuff. <laughs> and and it begs the question that the previous ad was not designed to get people to come to the games or watch the games. It was to yes. do something very different. Chris, no, it was you, just you, to make Paul Kent angry. The sole purpose was to make Paul Kent angry. And it succeeded. Is that a new TV show? How to make Paul Kent angry. Yeah, yeah, let's just piss off Paul Kent. <laughs> Weekly. Weekly. <laughs> that, love it. Uh, Paul Kent. Can I start by saying that wasn't a rant, Paul Kent? That was hardly a rant or a spray. That yeah, was great. very, very Could you paltry. imagine you've got, you've got Paul Kent with his back to the camera and you come out on stage <laughs> and you make a comment. And he, <laughs> See, Willie he, Turner. And then he, Willie he gets the reverse camera on Paul. He's going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm in for next week. Yes, yes. I mean, Master Chef's got nothing on that. You know, that, what's this Lego thing, by the way? Is, oh, anybody yeah. actually, is anybody watching that? Or is just Channel 1 putting all of his advertising budget into Lego and not Rugby League like it should be? It's a poor substitute. Well, the thing is, the thing, and, and it really highlights the fact that Rugby League and Lego, when you put them together, Rugby <laughs> League is better than Lego! <laughs> There's your end. Kenny, <laughs> by the way, his, his latest anger was reflected at the RLPA, who he felt was outmaneuvered in the uh, recent pay negotiations. And right. he says... The RFLA fell into a trap laid by a player manager because it has the intelligence of a bar stool. And it's bar stools all around the country are insulted. But in relation to the social media breach, I thought one of the things that Kendi had to say was was interesting to me because, of course, you had your auto cars and your Mitchells, but then... Hang on a second. Did did I just hear... Can we rewind it? You said one of the things Paul Kent said was interesting. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to turn on that. It's a first. It's a first on quite Australians. <laughs> because Nathan Cleary said, I'll show you a social media breach. And uh, <laughs> we'll go into that in a moment. But Paul Kent wrote in his column that Nathan Cleary will one day be more popular than both Adakar and Mitchell. Now, what the hell does he mean there? Yes. What's he saying there, Chris? I think that when, but I think in any, anybody's language, and they were referred to, it's not my, my term, as young nubiles wriggling. When you've got four young nubiles wriggling, Nathan Cleary is a clear winner here. Five, five, five young right. nubiles. Right, right. Okay. And that's probably what the words that got missed out because we know there's no sub-editors at the Telegraph anymore. No, but it true. probably should have read, we'll be more popular with the ladies. Right. Oh, and, the ladies. Right. And then, of course, I'm fascinated. Like, I kind of get the Adokar Mitchell thing. I'm pretty comfortable with that, what was going on there. Yeah. It's hard to say no to the brothers. Equally, I'm sure Cleary says it's hard to say no to the sisterhood. Absolutely. <laughs> the power of the sisters. But who are these women? So according to Nathan's evidence, the first yeah. time around, they were friends of his sister and girls he knows around from the area who'd been yeah. drinking in a park, yeah. had arrived unannounced at the Cleary household to just hang around for 10 minutes while they got an Uber, which is, you know, what's an Uber doing taking six, five or six people in one thing? And I, I love and, why you've gone from new boss to ladies to people. That's right. <laughs> You're well, so PC. <laughs> the PC brigade, Stephen. We used to be on FBI radio back in the day, and they would <laughs> new boss. And 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 so Cleary, who of course originally said uh, I was unaware the picture was being taken, albeit the picture had one of the girls holding a Corona beer bottle in vision. So there's uh, a joke. He, he, of course, was then subsequently caught doing the TikTok videos. Yes, yes. And he said he was only a bit angry that they distributed them. But, I mean, who is this pack of 
whatever word you want to apply to them, that's, yeah, yeah. you know, running rampant Chris, around the greater Penrith district. Chris, you made, me disconnect, you made me disconnected to the arts industry, but right now they are being applauded for their creative use of isolation and social media, whether it's right. the opera, whether it's uh, Lang Lang on the piano, whether it's concerts to raise funds, but God knows whatever. Um, this, is, this is the nature of the creative spirit of, of, of human beings. And, and, and I, I beg you, if The weekend doesn't get you up and doing a TikTok dance, I don't know what's wrong with you, Chris Scale. Blinding well, lights. I think it was a it was a dance video. That was the thing, and I think he was really you know, he may be popular with the nubiles, the ladies, the people, whatever. Yeah. But his dance was was really quite appalling. It was he was a flagrant <laughs> disregard to the beat of the music that he displayed. Yes. Yes. And and my my thinking is that Fox Sports' very own Ben Iken. Now his brother runs a dance school on the Gold Coast. I think his brother Ben Iken, because if Ben Iken was in that, he would have had the moves. Bang oh, in right. time on the beat. He would be an all-over. Is, all is over. this why they got? An, is this why he got another week's suspension? Well, <laughs> have they announced that? that was so, yeah. For poor dancing, for poor timing. For poor dan- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if you're judging his dancing, he's going to get thrown out for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's representing rugby league. Let's face it. Correct, and he's upset so many people. I mean, when he was asked, and I think we've all been in this situation, when he was asked why didn't he mention the TikTok videos the first time he appeared in front of the NRL, he goes, "Well, they didn't ask me about them." No, no, and you know. Haven't we it's all been in that grey area where omitting to say something, is that a lie or is that not a lie? But, but it's, it's the outrage of the cognoscenti and the senior people in the game that he has to deal with now. Yeah. Gus Gould's rung him up and gone, Nathan, I'm not yeah. angry. I'm disappointed. Oh, disappointed. he didn't. Oh, no. Yeah. Gus and Mel want him thrown out for the rest of the season. And yeah. no greater authorities than, let's go back to the world, Joey Johns and mm. Freddie Fittler have their views on social media, though... Freddie sounds slightly contradictory to me if we listen to this. Shall we? They go up there and do this, but then not only do it s- stupid stuff, but film it and put it on social media. It just, you know what? I just want to headbutt uh, a wall. Just, just, I, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. They just I don't understand the need to be on social media. But to get that gratification, I don't know how much more they need. Their egos just out of control. It's hilarious. Two front rollers did this TikTok, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll roll it because it is, <laughs> mate, it is very good. But they're front rollers against each other. Really? Mate, mate, did you see it on TikTok? That's <laughs> hilarious. It's so, the creative spirit of play. That's all it is. We, we're not Let's enough. not forget, this is, this is the same Freddie Fittler who is on, he has a police record. It's on record in the Glebe police station that he has a nice ass because <laughs> the night that he fell asleep in the gutter having been out drinking all night and mm-hmm. he collapsed, the yeah. two police on the beat that discovered him sitting mm-hmm. in the gutter, one was a gentleman, one was a woman, and the, the, the transcript, because they're police, the transcript is kept. And the gentleman goes, oh, here we go. What have we got here? And the female police officer goes, don't know, but he's got a nice ass. There you go. And, part of the and, and didn't he fi- get officially titled the drunkest human ever? <laughs> I think that's, that's it. That's right. Yeah. So Remember? he's saying hey. social media is bad. Boy, it must be really What's bad. What's the upshot of the Curtis Scott uh, episode? We're still waiting, aren't we? Still Is waiting. Really? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, just, just on what we heard there from, from Freddie, I think it goes back to, Stephen, what you were saying about that the game really doesn't care to, about being consistent or what its profile is because you've got Freddie there backing up Joey, get off social media, and on the same episode of... And, look, I'm a bit content-starved at the moment with no NRL 360, so I have gravitated to Freddie in the eighth. Interview, you know, the two greats interviewed by James Bracey on. You say Freddie and the Ape. Yeah, and the Ape. 
Yeah, model. It, it, you know, Joey and Freddie interviewed on banana chairs up on Freddie's property. Yeah. And, and, and Freddie's gone, get off social media. What's the appeal? And then two minutes later, he's talking about how good these two front rowers are. And <laughs> run. Dancing to Henry Mancini. <laughs> the, I, I liked uh, uh, Clint Newton, the RLPA boss, who liked the photos of Anokara and Mitchell and said, look, well, we've all done that. We've accidentally liked <laughs> a photo. And it, it was it, people brought up, was it Christopher Pine and some oh, adult yeah. material here? He might have consumed at one stage and liked. Yeah. But, hey, um, Dennis, what was, um, it was obviously a fancy dress do at Latrell's farm. You know what the invite <laughs> said? I mean, they all had flanny shirts, correct? <laughs> <laughs> come as what? That was, come think, as your favourite indie band, right? <laughs> come, as, come as Pearl Jam, yeah. I think it was. It was just yeah. straight up a Pearl Jam party. <laughs> oh, it was, beautiful. What was his name in Parks and Recreation? Ron, whatever his name was. Like, go yeah. hunting with Ronnie. I used to yeah, go. Sorry. Um, uh, so, I mean, but people are so upset by what's happened with this, Stephen and Dennis. You've got former referee and great rugby league broadcaster, Hollywood Greg Hartley, saying these turkeys are stuffing our game up, which is <laughs> terrific image. No, he did not say that, Chris, did he? <laughs> wow, that's the line of the year. I might just go elsewhere and follow English soccer or something. That's the crisis that you think rugby league would be concerned about. There is no clearer authority about in these PAP-prescribed, COVID-19, quarantine-driven times about what players need to do in social media and their phones, and that is Craig Bellamy has said, get off social media now, and I quote, if you fuck this up for our club, you deal with me. Dennis, does that inspire you as a bard? (laughs) It does, and... And while Dennis is getting ready, I think I think these turkeys are stuffing up as much better than what Craig Bellamy said. For the record, um, I just want to know how many people have. Is there a tally anywhere of people who have said that's it, I'm done with the game, and how many times you can be done with the game and going to English Premier League? Yeah. Is there a limit, or is is unlimited? All Balmain fans, all West fans, all North Sydney fans, all St George. All done. Done. I'm never watching rugby league again. That's it. That's the I'm one. out. Yep. Um, now, th- there's probably a song in that, but no, I, I actually have access to the exact script from Zoom that um, Bellamy said. And it's funny how it actually, it's quite musical. So if I, if I can get your indulgence and can get the chords here. We've been in isolation for a long time now. Oh, should be for way too long. <laughs> and some of you bastards are out of control. I woke from my three hours sleeping to read the paper in bed. And then, written by Paul Kent, was a story that said that you were posing at campfires and then shooting at cans. With an unlicensed firearm, do your pricks have a brain? Then you were riding dodgy dirt bikes in the dunes near Tari. If you, if you, can I swear? If you stuff this for our club, then you'll answer to me. So that, that's what he said. Quiet Australians will unite behind rugby league because we are the progressive force of Australian culture. I believe, Chris, there's a few um, 
uh, movements happening at the forefront of the code coming into this uh, reawakening, this resumption, this reopening, this uh, butterfly coming from a caterpillar sort of moment. Uh, I, I don't know what sort of uh, rule changes. Have you heard of anything that might be changing the nature of the game coming forward? Look, I think if there's one thing that Rugby League surely won't do coming out of this crisis is change the rules yet again, Stephen. I mean, they've got enough to deal with. I mean, the players are right now consuming 47 pages of protocols. They can't <laughs> possibly... Mm. Uh, and I mean, we haven't even worked out. I mean, I don't know. If you guys, are you comfortable with the opportunity of setting the scrums in the middle of the park at the 20-metre line or the 10-metre line? I mean, we hardly got to see it. So I don't think they'll be changing that. Well, Chris, can I just put forward to you that uh, one of our men here works for the, uh, the ABC and I believe that uh, there'll be discussions about uh, crowd noises or not. Uh, there'll be ref- referees being mic'd up, correct? Well, well the, referee's always, the referee's always mic'd up. Um, 20, I mean... That, but normally they're drowned out by the... The crowd. coaches? Coaches but mic'd that, up? Um, there's talk about the coaches being mic'd up and, oh, please. Yeah, Ricky, Ricky. Up. How good yes. would that be to have good Bellamy, Ricky. All you'd hear is... but with bellamy micing up you don't want to mic bellamy up you want to put the mic in the back corner of the room yes (laughs) yes. he retreats when he's losing it (laughs) (laughs) have you ever heard of there's there's a cockatoo called the moluccan cockatoo or the the helmeted cockatoo it looks like a a white like an australian white cockatoo instead of yellow has this great big white feathery thing Look them up, Moluccan cockatoo. They pretty much have the same script as their native call just sounds like Craig Bellamy. Right. Well, given that everybody's got no money, Channel 9, of course, are in dire straits, and they obviously have to pay for these new microphones uh, to have the coaches. And what's that? Uh, another 16 microphones minimum. Uh, well, you know. get one. I mean, how hard is it? Been to get? I've got a microphone here. It was so yeah. hard to get online. My God. Talk right. about the run on the product. Because everybody's Gee, it been creating. good, though, Chris. You're sounding so much better with that new microphone, Chris. Thank you, Dennis. And you're right, Stephen. Everyone's been creative. And how blessed are we that the world has been inundated with a tsunami of new podcasts as a result of COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. Yes, and Zoom. Getting back, oh. getting, back to the, getting back to the microphones, the, the work, there was that one weekend where there was no crowds. And... <clears throat> The ABC put out some extra mics onto the field because normally, um, you know, we've got crowd noise and the crowd noise, that's like the, that's the strings underneath, that's the atmosphere, yes. that's the yes. mood. We didn't yes. have that. So I put crowd mics out and there was a moment where because there was no crowd yelling, the, the ref's mic was super clear. And there's this amazing moment, which I've never heard before, of Cameron Smith talking to Ashley Klein and the, the tone of it was amazing. This, excuse me, sir. Could I just, I'm just, I understand the penalty there, but I just want to seek some clarification around the third tackle in the previous set. <laughs> and that was literally, I have memorized it. I want to seek some clarification around the third tackle in the previous set. Man, That's man. what he said. And man. he presented as if he was talking as, he is a footy nerd. That's that's Cam is. He loves the game. He's a student of the game. He lives in Britain. It's all he does. And he loves the rules. He loves the rules and the technical parts. And, and so he's trying to bond with the refs and be, hey, mate, fellow footy nerd. Just one And how, how is he going to love Aubrey? I was going to say, he's arcing up the line. <laughs> Surely that's a come down from glorious Melbourne, Prague of oh. the South. This, this will be his greatest challenge because yeah. he's actually for once not dictating exactly what happens, where it happens at any one a, any point a, in time. A greater force is at play. You're right. He's actually been forced to do something and he, he's described it as a moving story. 
And I don't know whether he means I've got to Keep move. Keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> the waking up the coaches is interesting because Sticky Stewart has agreed. And apart from just hearing a distressed cat, you'll just hear that thud of leather <laughs> on plastic as he kicks the seats. But in basketball, they allow the coaches in to be mics. And then what they play back is just the motivational stuff, none of the strategy stuff. So you only get little bits of the time out of the coaches in so the. So they're cupboard. editing on the run, are they? That's right. Whereas in rugby league, you won't be worried about the strategy stuff being edited out. It'll be the profane language. So again, you'll just get the barest minimum of yes, actual yes. audio out of it. So in doing so, to find these extra sixteen microphones, I, I understand that Channel Nine has gone into some cost cutting in the yes. negotiations because we still don't have a price put on the value of the product that is the NRL for both Foxtel and for Channel Nine. Now, what uh, what sort of uh, tactics have they started to, or what sort of cost cutting measures have they have they taken up, Chris? Well, the Channel Nine shareholders were really, really as excited as they were when they bought the Sydney Morning Herald and related media uh, organs, Stephen. Uh, when uh, Hugh Marks, uh, who's already attracted the nickname from Roy and HG, Skid Marks, uh, announced to shareholders that by not, rugby league not being shown, the premier product, the, the mm. television output that they boast has four of the top five rating shows each year. Say that again, Chris. Four of the top five rating shows in Australia each year are rugby league games. Got it. They said, we'll save $130 million by not showing them. Right. Uh, what do they do with that $130 million? <laughs> well, <laughs> they lose their audience. Shell is actually going to dividend. And so, of course, <laughs> they got very excited. And then when they got outmaneuvered by Overlord Volandis, and they really should be following exactly what Anastasia Palaszczuk is doing because she's the only one who can take him on, they're now being forced into broadcasting an extended season going way past their bedtime into the T20 Cricket World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. And so they have to argue two things. One, the game's actually not worth that much on TV. And apparently, Patrick Delaney and Fox Sports has come on board with that idea as we get down to tin tax. So we haven't settled on a price. But if you have to show football and it costs you money, other things have to suffer. First right. target, 60 minutes. Oh, not Lego. No, Lego Masters. That's, that's taken to the bank, Stephen. That's got Hamish on it with no Andy. Let me tell you, Hamish with no Andy is a lot better than Hamish and Andy. So, yeah. so why, don't they just put, why don't they put Hamish on 60 minutes? Well, Perfect. Perfect. That's what I did. The other thing is, <laughs> twenty-seven minutes, and then yeah. you've gone. I mean, I, but I spell, I spell a rap. It's called, it's called Lego Mars. I spell a rap because it's like every second ad, it is constantly cross-plugged on every other show, as if the whole world is loving it. I don't buy that. But you're saying sixty minutes is going to take a cut? Yeah, twenty-seven minutes, and and <laughs> they should do what we do with this podcast: is just chop it up into one-minute bits and periodically yeah. post it. Periodically post it. Lego yeah. minutes. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> How much fun is that? Not <laughs> great. Okay, uh, listen. How are the uh, how are the coaches getting on? By the way, uh, Dennis, do you know much about uh, how they how they're travelling? What they're doing? I, I believe does the training start today? No. So today's the education day. Of course, and it's there has been discussion. Like last Friday, last Friday is going to go down in history as as like one of those days in the Super League wars because there was articles being posted that were out of date the second they were posted saying that this, this whole player revolt thing, which the more I read about it, it seems like it was actually complete myth. There never was a mm. player revolt. And, and uh, Cam Smith was telling the truth. Yes. <laughs> there, was, there was actually no revolt. And they were saying, you know, there are, there are other issues at play. They are, as, as we established last week, they are human. Cam 
is 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 human. Don't break our hearts, Des. <laughs> and and they were talking about you know health, and they were talking about uh, families, and they were talking about all this sort of stuff. So last week, last Friday, there was an article. My fa- I think it's one of my favourite articles of all time. The title on Fox Sports said, "Player revolt um, puts in jeopardy May 28. Players will not be going to training next week." And then the first paragraph, they've obviously changed the paragraph before they've changed the title. It says, the new pay deal has been sorted out and the players are back to training next week. It's all on. (laughs) Two lines. Completely contradicted itself just beautifully. The coaches, as you said, Ricky's got the um, overhead projector. And you try, I dare you, go on eBay right now and see if you can get an overhead projector. Can't get one. Can't get one. I love all money. No. <laughs> the, the money. And transparencies, they're worth some toilet paper. There's no transparencies anyway. <laughs> they're all gone. And the, and the great <laughs> legacy of, of this current situation is as part of the PAP protocols, if you're a player and you have a sore throat or are demonstrating cold-like symptoms, you are forbidden from turning up to training. Do you so, need a doctor's certificate, Chris? Nothing. Just You just have to present and say, look, I'm sorry, I got a bit of a sniffle. I won't be able to train today. There'll be a, there'll be a non-training they, epidemic, I think, in the lead-up. And, and they run. They run for cover, right? They Absolutely. Now, from my understanding, though, that things have been relaxed slightly. Two humans can meet two humans now. I'm not talking about telehumans. I'm just talking about normal humans. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in doing so, though, that's it. But um, were the coaches uh, breaking the rules before these rules were relaxed, Chris, with uh, two coaches travelling together in the one car? Yes, yes. Uh, Project Apollo, Stephen, and I still... Uh, you know, as a student of space travel, and I know you are, or you both are, you know, big fans of it, I still worry about the selection of Project Apollo because of, you know, the sad loss of, you know, astronauts Chaffee, Grissom and White on the test pad yeah. for Apollo 1. Yeah. They didn't even get off the launch pad. It just, it just sort of gives me a bit of a trepidatious feeling. But when the Innovation Committee was at the height of Project Apollo, of course, they drew on the great minds that uh, run our game. And, of course, Messrs Trent Robinson and Wayne Bennett were called to the hey. meetings now. And uh, how, much, how much pain must Ricky Stewart be feeling in the ex-game's greatest thinker? Terrible. That's really terrible. terrible. What a yeah. slight. What a yeah. slight. But they brought in some other great minds on top of Wayne and uh, Trent, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Sam Burgess. Sam Burgess. Well, so, does, that, same. Does, that, does that position Sam Burgess as the game's new greatest, greatest. thinker? Yeah, absolutely. Is that Sam Burgess? No argument. Sam Burgess, is, as I said, there are two people who have got something on everybody in rugby league. One is the overlord Volandis, the other is Sam Burgess. Sam Burgess. Fox League personality. He's a key yeah. figure at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And now yeah. he's a guest consultant on Project Apollo. But the it, funny it, it, thing about Project Apollo was that Wayne Bennett presented at the car park to attend one of these meetings and he was turned away. I presume on the basis of how old he was. Like the security <laughs> guy would have gone... I'm sorry, old man, you've got to get inside and self-isolate. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. To get into a car with Robbo. And so you've got the man, the only man in recorded history who brushed Nick Politis having done a handshake deal to go and coach the Dragons of all people. <laughs> He's now in the employ of Trent Robinson who's taking him carpool to the meetings. I suspect something very much in the offing around uh, director of coaching. Could, could- could I, could I throw a left-field idea in here, Chris and Dennis, that perhaps uh, Sam Burgess is friends with John Ibrahim? Hey. What about the telegraph exposure on Ibrahim? I mean, basically <laughs> what they found, which was Viagra and uh, Tic Tacs, that's my draw. Um, he also he had a prescription for Viagra as well. 
Where are we going? Is that illegal? It was an amazing. I saw the photo. I said, that is my bedroom. It's legal. Now, so I guess the, the, we're, on, we're on watch right now, aren't we? With this many days, countdown, of course, and Tamworth being the, one of the hot spots and then the Central Coast. Uh, this, this well, I suppose it's a jelly wrestle between, or it's a three-way jelly, a tag jelly wrestle between Anastasia Palaszczuk, Freddie Fittler, and Overlord Volandis. It's going to be very interesting to watch, Chris. I, I think it's uh, one for the ages, Stephen. And, yeah. and there's something, something about her nimbleness and uh, <laughs> her ability Don't to... Don't you love that word, nimble? Yep. I, I'm I'm back in Palaszczuk. I I think <laughs> you will have to somehow pack your Sandman or whatever vehicle it is that you're driving in right now. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do the grand final come 25th October, you'll be up at Suncor Stadium, mm-hmm. my friend. Mm-hmm. Get ready. Old Twinkle Toes Palaszczuk, hey? That's right. <laughs> I think that's all I've got to say right now. It's been beautiful. Uh, <laughs> we're hoping that we might get back on the radio sometime soon, Stephen. Plenty of hope. I mean, I, I'll, I'll forward you the message for FBI. They're, they're remaining more cautious. You would have thought a left field radio would be less cautious, but they're more cautious than the rest of the planet. Yeah, and but we'll, we'll keep doing this. And, of course, we get the opportunity, uh, courtesy of our producers, Pat and Nick, to post little excerpts on our socials. You'll find us on Fire Up on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And we'll catch you soon. And we might be able to uh, draw some international flavour into our next episode. Ooh. Crazy Sharks fan, Brendan. Kelly. When are we going to start? When oh. are we going to start the uh, TikTok, the fire up TikTok? Yeah, we haven't got there. Yeah. Can I just also throw one last thing in, if I may, boys? That um, I think the, the the status level of rugby league to the rest of the country is not much further above some of those troubled islands on the north coast of Queensland, uh, where alcohol and even the northern territory where alcohol is banned, deeming the recipients of the space too irresponsible to be able to handle their liquor. Uh, it was uh, reported recently that uh, the Dan Murphys, of course, the arbiter of the moral code of Australia, has uh, demanded that, that no one can buy liquor before walking to Shark Park down in the Shire. Is this correct news? Yes. Have you heard about this, Dennis? Yes, so, I have. I did wonder whether it was because um, maybe Dan Murphys owns the liquor outlets in Shark Park and has the licence, so they don't want to get them in the people <laughs> outside. They want to charge them They've the got two, they? prices <laughs> inside and get the real, yeah. get the coin off them. No, no, preloading. As they as they redevelop the the precinct into the entertainment uh, amusement parlor style feel that Shark Park is going to uh, become, so hopefully, uh, they really were concerned about the fact that people had been observed drinking openly and freely in the alcohol free zone between Woolworth Station and the stadium. Cool. So uh, there was a sort of an inquiry into this, and it was very interesting uh, what Dan Murphy's did. They challenged the ruling that said that they should be able to remain open. And uh, they cross-examined a former police commander, Patrick Paras, who'd report on the matter. He said he twice attempted to smuggle store-bought alcohol into Shark Park games and was caught both times. Though under cross-examination, he had to admit his beer bottles were not well hidden in his bag. So <laughs> a little bit tanked. Yeah. Uh, it brings to mind, I, I, don't, I don't know this, this new stadium complex has got a name yet, but I don't know you're a film buff and you too, Dennis. There was a great film with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi called Neighbours. Yes. Yes, yeah, well, it's built on a toxic swamp. <laughs> you may remember they lost their car, I think, <laughs> and a couple of human beings were lost there as well. God forbid! That's it. I mean, that's there's a theme park I've ever saw one. I, mean, I just it, want to check, check, check back. What was the name of the constable who uh, did the the, the check? Paroz. 
was Patrick Perroz, was Patrick Perroz, was he working undercover or was he just going to a Sharks game and had loaded up his bag? <laughs> it's complete coincidence. <laughs> they just happened to overlap. He wasn't, he wasn't attempting to prove anything, I don't think. Uh, but I think we'll have to watch this space. I mean, if there's one thing we can all hope for, maybe the Sharks will never make it back. Absolutely. Banished. Banished. Thanks very much, Dennis. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, See you guys. Keep quiet.